the book of, of Isaiah, part, part two. We've been doing Christ of the book, been doing this entire, entire series where we started with Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus. We're going through Christ of the book, Hebrews 10, 7, in the volume of the book. It's written of me, uh, identifying the Lord Jesus Christ in every book of the Bible. He's the author. He is the living word. And so we go, we're going through all 66 books of the Bible, finding the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the scriptures. In Exodus, he's creator. In Exodus, he's deliverer. Leviticus, he's lawgiver. All the way through. Well, in the book of Isaiah, he is Savior. He is Savior. And boy, do we need a savior. Last week I, I started out saying I don't know really where to begin, don't know where to end, um, with emphasis on not sure where to end. I, this is part two. I'm not sure as we go through the book of Isaiah they may, there may be a part three, a part four, because it's hard to know which, which scriptures do you leave out. They are so powerful and so important for us to understand what is coming. What is coming? The promises of God in the book of Isaiah will be forthcoming. The world just needs to get prepared for what the book of Isaiah declares and talks about, especially when it comes to the day of the Lord. Now, we as the church, the body of Christ, we are not going to experience that tribulation. We are not going to be experiencing that day of the Lord. We are going to be raptured out. We are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air prior to the day of the Lord, prior to this time of God's vengeance that Isaiah uh, so severely, and there's no other way to talk about it, there's no other way to refer to it, is his vengeance and the severity of his vengeance when it is the day of the Lord. Understand, <clears throat> this is the day of man. Man has his sway. Man is having his will carried out. But there is coming a time when it's going to be the day of the Lord. And there's going to be judgment like you will not believe. As a matter of fact, as we go through the book of Isaiah, there are two aspects, two key thoughts to understand this. One is judgment. As you go through the book of Isaiah, it's all about judgment. Immediate judgment upon Israel and Judah, both the, southern, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and also future judgment on the entire world. And we're going to be looking at that uh, in, in the day of the Lord and what's going to happen during that period of time. We just finished that as we went through the book of uh, Revelation, talking about those, those signs and those seals and those trumpet judgments and, and vile judgments, all of those that are going to be taking place during that day of the Lord. But it's about judgment, but it's also about blessing. It's all about what God has prepared for Israel, what God is going to do on behalf of Israel. His promises are guaranteed. What God says he's going to do, he is going to do. Now the church, the body of Christ, us, 
We are seated in the heavenlies this very moment. That is our position. We are in Christ. We have a much higher calling. We have a much... Uh, the, our calling is just phenomenally, phenomenally fantastic. There are not enough adjectives or adverbs. Which is it? I need Ed, I need Ed Judy here to tell me. It's just phenomenal what God has prepared for the church, the body of Christ. But what God has promised to the nation of Israel as we go through the Old Testament and go through these different prophets, He is going to carry out. As a matter of fact, look at Romans chapter 10 with me real quick. Romans chapter 10. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Verse 25. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. We need to understand that the church, again, is not spiritual Israel. The Old Testament is written. It is to God's people, Israel, and the promises that God had for His chosen nation. But the Messiah... The promised Messiah came into his own, and his own did what? Received him not. They declared, we will not have this man to reign over us. But look what Paul says concerning the nation of Israel. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Until this church age, until this present dispensation comes to its point where God calls us home. So all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins... As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. Here we go, verse 25. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What God has said he's going to do concerning Israel, he is going to do. What we are about to look at in the book of Isaiah, what God promises to Israel both in judgment and in blessings either has or will occur. It's imperative that we, that we understand that point. And as we go through Christ of the book, again, in the book of Isaiah, Christ is Savior. You look at Matthew 18, 11 tells us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He is the Savior. From the need, from the need of them needing to be saved to the means of how they're going to be saved. Look at Isaiah chapter 1. It's kind of where we started last week, which it's always good to start at the beginning, right? Isaiah chapter 1. Look at verse 4. Talk about God's people needing to be delivered, 
needing to be saved, needing a Savior, needing the Messiah, Isaiah 1.4, Ah, oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. Why should I stricken you anymore? You're not going to do what I say for you to do. And he goes on to describe their how wicked they actually are, how desperately they need healing, but they're not going to be, to be healed. The book of Isaiah describes all the way through Israel's tremendous need for the Messiah. He also says in Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. He just told them how bad your iniquity is, how bad your sin is. And he says in verse 18, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So he talks about the judgment. He talks about their condition. But here is the remedy. He is the remedy all the way through. He is Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the means. Look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Starting with verse 3. Isaiah 53, 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now remember, Isaiah is a prophet of God to Judah and to Israel. The church, the body of Christ, is still a mystery. But what's going to be re revealed to Paul, the chief of sinners, is what God had planned before the foundation of the world to offer salvation to all through this finished work of Christ what this Messiah was going to accomplish via the cross, God was going to be able to be both just and the justifier to those who believe. He was bruised for our, our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He became sin for us. Even though he knew no sin, he became sin for us in order that we might, what? Become the righteousness of God in him. Wow, what an exchange. See, and that's what Isaiah is talking about here, their need for the Messiah. He, verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Look at verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him.
he put on him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. God saw the need, he met the need through Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. See, that's what Isaiah talks about from beginning all the way to end. As a matter of fact, the theme of Isaiah is salvation. Isaiah's name means Yahweh is salvation. That's what the name Isaiah means. As a matter of fact, the word salvation appears 26 times in the book of Isaiah. It only appears seven times in all the other, all the other prophets. Salvation or deliverance from national sin and coming captivity, but also salvation, the deliverance of sin. Last week we talked about the fact that Isaiah tells the nation of Israel in Judah, though your sin be a scarlet. In chapter 1, chapter 2, he holds out the hope that Christ is going to rule and reign. Chapter 6, we saw the, the vision that he had of, of Christ of high and lifted up. We saw the impact that that had on Isaiah. But as we go through the book, we see the promise of God as to what is coming. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I believe strongly, I believe firmly that we are living in the last days of this dispensation. I believe that we are experiencing perilous times now, but you, you ain't seen nothing yet. We pray for revival because I think that's the only thing that's going to change the course. We pray for an awakening. God's people, the churches, will wake up. I think that's the only thing that's going to change the course. But we also pray, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, our Lord comes. So I want to be praying, God, your will be done. If we're living in the last days, then you prepare our hearts, you prepare our, our lives in such a manner that we are ready to stand strong on your behalf, stand on your word, preach your word, declare your word to a world that's desperate to hear. But if we are in the last days of this dispensation, then I don't want to do anything to prevent the rapture of the church and us being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The only thing I want to do is be sharing the gospel with those who aren't ready to hear that. I want them to know that Jesus saves. 
And he saves all those that by faith believe that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again. I don't want to tell anybody, I don't want anyone to think that there's anything they have to do to merit it, to earn it, to work for it. I want them to understand clearly that it is a free gift of God to them based on what Christ did on Calvary's cross. The fact that he was buried and he rose again, you believe that, you take that personally, and when the rapture of the church takes place, ooh, I'll see you in the air. And we're going to have a great time as we rejoice in eternity in heaven. But what we're praying, what we're looking at now in the book of Isaiah are the promises and warning to God concerning what's coming to Israel. Right now, the nation of Israel is low ammy. They are not my people. Right now, the nation of Israel, as we saw a while ago, are temporarily blinded. And it's not until the rapture of the church that we're going to see these promises, these things in the book of Isaiah that are starting, that will start taking place again. But boy, once they start, that prophetic clock starts ticking again. So all these things we're about to look at, the promises of God, the judgment of God, when it starts, it's Katie bar the door. It's understand that God's will and purpose will be carried out. But here's what's in store. Look at Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou that was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and you comforted me. That's the nation. Those remnant, those that are going to be going into the kingdom. Those that are, that's a promise of God. That literal kingdom that's going to be established, they are going to know that it's from, the, from God. Uh, 11, verse 11, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. He shall set up an enzyme for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Folks, we need to understand these promises, these prophecies haven't happened yet. They are still future. Verse 2 of chapter 12. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. That's the theme of Isaiah as we get started here. That is the theme of Isaiah. Verse 6. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. I think it's interesting how God starts out saying, you're sinners, you are needing a Messiah. But then he says, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Then the very... Then he talks about the fact that they are sinful, they are going to be judged, but God says, yes, but here's what I'm going to do on your behalf. He continually holds out that promise of hope 
And the call to the Israel is to repent. He talks about how the Holy One of Israel, who is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, shall rule in the midst of thee. That's in chapter 12. Chapter 13 of Isaiah, as the Holy Spirit moves on him, there is such a stern warning. That's what's going to happen to Israel. Zephaniah 3.14 talks about Christ, the Messiah, ruling in the midst of Jerusalem. What a promise from God. Has that ever happened? No. Is it going to happen? You betcha. You betcha it is. But look at chapter 13. Let's start with verse 6. Isaiah 13, verse 6. It says, howl, wail, literally wail, for the day of the Lord is at hand. What's another name for the day of the Lord? Tribulation, the tribulation, that seven-year period during the time when the beast and the Antichrist are going to be ruling and reigning, when Satan is going to be doing his thing. But it's the day of the Lord when his judgment is falling. For the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. It ought to break our hearts that the majority of the people of this world could care less about that verse. They either don't believe it, or they ignore it, or they deny it. But all hands shall be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. They shall be afraid. Pains and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travails. They shall be amazed at one another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners there out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine." And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I got to tell you, I get so angry hearing about some of the things that are going on in the world, and there's a part of me that just says, God, get them. God, don't allow this. God, stop this. God, how can you allow them to get away with this? Am I the only one that thinks that? His day's coming. So instead of getting angry, it needs to, it should grieve us. It should cause us great concern knowing their destination and that they're going to go through this. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I quit watching the news because I hated listening to that haughtiness, to that spitefulness, to that attitude that would just come across the screen. 
I quit. Then I read this verse and I think, Lord, it grieves you too. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Isaiah brings this out very clearly. But again, the world either denies it, they don't believe it, or they don't know it. And it's up to us to share, here is what's coming. There's two things we need to tell people that are coming, that's coming. The rapture, we're going to be gone, and the day of the Lord. If you're not a believer, you're going to experience this. You're going to be part of this. I will make a man more precious than the fine gold. Rarer. Because <laughs> there's going to be so much death. Even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Folks, do you hear that? Unfortunately, you don't hear it in enough churches nowadays. Nowadays, you don't hear what's coming. Do you hear people all the time say, well, I just don't believe that a loving God would do this sort of thing. I can't believe that people would reject such a loving God now. Why would you reject him when he is so merciful and gracious and extending salvation now? Why? Why? Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place. Look at Isaiah 24. I mean, there are so many verses that we could... The, the warning, the warning is just so powerful, yet so ignored. And this hasn't happened yet. This prophecy of Isaiah is future. Yes, Israel was going into Assyrian captivity. Judah was going to go into Babylonian captivity. And so there was immediate judgment, but the majority of this is future judgment of what's coming during the day of the Lord and in the millennial kingdom when it's going to be glorious. And we're going to read about that in just a couple of seconds. But Isaiah 24, verse 20. Isaiah 24, 20. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high. Personally, I think this is demonic. I, I think what's coming during that time, we, we've, we're in a spiritual warfare. And I think this is in reference to the punishment of the angelic Fallen, the fallen angels in the spiritual war that's going on. And I will punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. God's judgment is sure. It is coming. Personally, I believe it's soon. I believe it's soon. Isaiah 28, verse 11. Isaiah 28, 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. By the way, that found its uh, 
fulfillment in Acts chapter 2. But that's a whole other sermon. To whom he said, this is the rest wherein you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Remember Peter in Acts chapter 3 called on Israel to repent in order that the times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord? This is what he was referring to. They had just spoken in tongues. They had just seen the power and the witness of the Holy Spirit. Peter is calling Israel to repentance in order that the times of refreshing, Isaiah had already told them the day of the Lord's coming. This is what's going to happen. Repent in order that the times of refreshing, they should have gone, oh, wait, wait a minute. You know what? Where, where was that mentioned? Somebody grab me a Bible. Isaiah 28. Oh, it talks about that there. And the bells and whistles should have gone off. Look at Isaiah 61. Look at Isaiah 61. Wasn't sure where when I was going to bring this in, but I think it's important to do it now. Isaiah 61. I think this is one of the most interesting of Isaiah's prophecies that kind of shows you the difference between future prophecy and it occurring, or at least parts of it, and some of it being postponed. Look at Isaiah 61. And keep in mind as we go through this, the day of the Lord, what we just read about, that tribulation period, the day of God's fierce anger, the day of his vengeance. That's what the tribulation part's all, that's what it's all about. That's what Isaiah talked about, Jeremiah talked about, Joel talked about, Zephaniah. Wow, did Zephaniah talk about that? This, all of the prophets talked about the day of the Lord. If all of the prophets are talking about this time when God is going to punish the world, you need to set up and take notice of it. It's coming. That's why Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Now is when to get saved. Well, during that tribulation, the gospel of the kingdom is preached and you have to overcome in order to be saved. You have to endure until the end to be saved. Makes you appreciate God's amazing grace now, doesn't it? But anyway, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, that verse, or verses, Should we should recollect. We should we read those verses and we go, where have we read that before? Isaiah prophesied it. Well, wouldn't it be something if this prophecy, if this was said by someone else and fulfilled by someone else? Well, it was. Look at Luke chapter 4. Look at Luke chapter 4, but there's something so interesting. 
about the fulfillment of this verse. Look at Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Did we just read this in Isaiah? Hmm. Well, let's start with verse 17. I should have started verse 17. Uh, Verse 16. And he came to Nazareth. Who's he? The Lord Jesus. Amen. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And his custom was that he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Hey, by the way, the Lord believed that Isaiah wrote Isaiah. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Except there's a part left out. There's a part left out. Do you realize that? What part's left out? To preach, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. See, that's still prophetic. That's still coming. And just as surely as Christ Jesus died on Calvary's cross for your sins, just as surely as the stone was rolled back, just as surely as he, was, he rose again, all of these prophecies are going to be fulfilled. It's a day of vengeance. Seven years of judgment. But there's also deliverance. Oh, the Lord never leaves us wondering. He never leaves His people without hope. Look at Isaiah 40. And, and as you read that, let me encourage you to read Isaiah. To, well, not just read it. Study it. Get you a good companion Bible and sit down with the book of Isaiah and study it. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort ye, comfort ye all my people, saith the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. It's going to come an end. There's going to come an end. Christ is the Messiah. He is the Deliverer. Here are the promises that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And Israel has suffered. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way, make straight in the desert a highway for her God, for our God. 
Verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. There is going to be deliverance. Look at Isaiah 43. Verse 10. Verse 43 is all about comforting Israel for the restoration that God's going to bring about. When you study Isaiah, all the, 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 the curses and the, the things that God warns about are going to take place. The world is going to suffer God's bent vengeance. But look at Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. But I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. But he is their Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Over and over and over again, he talks about that deliverance. Look at Isaiah 59. Verse 1, and I think this is the whole key to the entire book of Isaiah. Isaiah 59, 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Hey, you read these curses you receive, uh, you, you read about the judgments that are coming. It's frightening, folks. What's going to happen during the day of the Lord? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Isaiah said it. Then the apostles on the day of Pentecost came, and they said, Sirs, what must we do? And Peter said, Repent. And be baptized for the remission of your sins. The nation of Israel should have understood that this was God's fulfillment of His word, and here was their opportunity. But they said, We'll not have this man to reign over us. We're not going to allow it. Isaiah 53. We read that a while ago, he was despised and rejected. How is all this going to take place? The Lamb before God that is going to suffer the cruel death of the cross. It's all spelled out. It's all there. I, I, look at Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. By the way, if anybody ever asks you, we are a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, right? And if somebody says, well, you just use way too many scriptures, then you need to tell them they either need to come to know the Lord. Well, that they need to come to know the Lord. Isaiah 9, because I don't think you can use too many scriptures. But Isaiah 9, verse 6 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Did that happen? Amen. You know what's coming? And the government shall be upon his shoulders. I'll vote for that. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's still to happen. That has not happened. But folks, I'm here to tell you, it is going to happen. Verse 7. Uh, verse, verse, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with just, judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That is going to happen without doubt. Everything that the book of Isaiah talks about as it pro produces, as it tells us that Christ is the Savior, that the Messiah is our Savior, it is going to happen. It spells it out. We can believe it. We can trust it that He is coming again. When you read Isaiah 53, as we just did a while ago, it, it shouldn't surprise us that in John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist says, what about the Lord Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's, it's all there. I read through all of this in Isaiah, and I wonder, I stand in amazement, how did Israel miss it? It was all there. They knew the, the spirit, the, the religious leaders, whether it be the Pharisees or the Sadducees and the scribes and all the religious leaders, they studied this. They knew it. It's there. Had their hearts not been so hardened and so wicked. And the Lord Jesus talked about they were whited sepulchers on the outside, you're all clean and white and looked all polished. Inside, you're rottenness. He said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Boy, does that describe. It was here. All they had to do was go through here and study the Scriptures, read the Scriptures. It was there. And you shake your head and you go, how could they be so foolish. Well, I'm telling you something, folks. The same thing could be said about us today. About mankind today. As God offers salvation, deliverance, heaven, Offers heaven. Why do men still reject him? Why do men still ignore, ignore him? I don't understand. You don't, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, right? You haven't, you're here. But there's, we look at Israel during this time and, and we go, how foolish. Well, the world is just as foolish. 
just as foolish today. And just as it grieved Isaiah and Jeremiah, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. One of the books by Jeremiah is Lamentations. He weeped. He cried. We ought to be doing the same thing. We ought to be doing the same thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your warning. We thank you for your wonderful salvation that we have in Christ. Father, we thank you that we live in this dispensation of grace. We're thankful that salvation is by grace. It's not by works. It's not by works of righteousness that we've done. Father, we thank you for this day that we're it's by grace, not, not under the law. We rejoice, we praise your name, but the world still seems to be so blind. Father, may we faithful, faithfully proclaim the truth of your word. Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that's never trusted you, that this will be the very moment that they will understand that what they must do to be saved is not walk an aisle, not follow through with any ritual, not go through any confirmation class, but Father, by faith, believe that you died for them, you were buried and you rose again, and it was for them, you died for them. May they take it personally and by faith believing it. And believe and know that the moment they do that, that you do your work in their life where you place them in the body of Christ, where you want them, and you seal them in that body until the day of redemption. Father, what a plan of salvation. And if there's anyone here this morning that continues to ignore, who continue to deny, who continues to reject that salvation, may they this very moment, may the Holy Spirit convict them of their need and the urgency of trusting you by faith. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. For his sake we pray. Amen.